As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. You should go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $3.99 a month. With me, as always, he's back! It's my good buddy Alex Spears. Alex, tell us what happened in the NBA this week. I'm back, Andrew, and what a week it was. It all started last Friday night with an incredible game between the Boston Celtics and the San Antonio Spurs. Jason Tatum tied a Celtics franchise record with 60 points in the game, helping Boston overcome a 32-point deficit to grab the win. The Spurs, meanwhile, are now losers of four straight and only one and a half games up on the Pelicans for the 10th spot. On Saturday night, LaMelo Ball, LaMelo! Return to action after an extended absence, helping the Hornets beat the Pistons and throwing a full court underhanded assist in the process. There was also good Hornets news for our guy, Eric Collins, who was interviewed by the New York Times because he's cool. On Sunday night, we had the first of two games this week between the Nets and the Bucks, a potential playoff matchup. The Bucks took both games and are now only a half game back of the Nets for the two seat. On Monday night, in a game against the Atlanta Hawks, Carmelo Anthony passed Elvin Hayes to move into the top 10 on the NBA's career scoring list. Also on Monday night, Russell Westbrook had his second 20-rebound, 20-assist game of his career in a win against the Pacers and is now one triple-double away from tying Oscar Robertson's all-time record. By the way, the Wizards are now only a half game back of the Pacers for the ninth seed who they play this Sunday. And speaking of those Pacers, Andrew, on Tuesday, we learned that Pacers coach Nate Bjorkren's future with Indiana was uncertain due to ongoing dysfunction. And on Wednesday night, the Pacers confirmed those reports by looking wildly dysfunctional in a loss to the Kings. After Goga Patadze gave minimal effort on a defensive play followed by making a three-pointer on the other end, Goga appeared to tell Pacers assistant coach Greg Foster to sit the F down. In the ensuing timeout, Greg Foster, a.k.a. jumbo-sized Nate Bjorkren, had to be restrained. (laughs) They look look the same. They really do. (laughs) He had to be restrained on the sideline from going after Goga. And finally, on Thursday night, we learned that Frank Vogel, from Frank Vogel, that LeBron's absence from the Lakers' last two games against Denver and the Clippers was not medically related. When asked for the reason James was not present, Vogel said he's just not here. The Lakers are currently tied with the Blazers in the standings and play the Blazers on Friday night. Things are getting weird, Andrew. (laughs) LeBron's always got to be in the news, man. (laughs) Always got to be in the news. Yeah, that Pacers situation is a rough one. I mean, they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna have to clear house, right? 
They, they probably are, and I feel bad for Pacers fans because, you know, they, they started off the season great, and they're one of these teams that just never gets talked about. And yeah. so finally they get talked about, which, by the way, they should get talked about because they've been to the playoffs nine of the last ten years. Like, they've made a bunch of savvy moves, like the PG trade turned out amazing. Even the Oladipo trade this year turned out really well. Mm-hmm. But they're just not a team that gets talked about. And finally something happens, and this is what it is that gets them talked about. So... It's a bummer for those fans, but I would say, look on the bright side. If this season hadn't gone as terribly as it had with TJ Warren, Miles Turner missing time, maybe they don't fire Nate because they would have, you know, won five or seven more games and been in like the fifth or sixth seed. So maybe, maybe get a mulligan, you know, bring in Dan Tony, get all these guys back healthy. Yeah, go listen to Nerd She Wrote. They they talked about the situation a lot. I I also tend to believe that. Five games wouldn't have made a difference. Seven games wouldn't have made a difference. I think he's gone. I think he'd be oh. gone, so either way. <laughs> okay, well, must be pretty bad. <laughs> it must be pretty bad. Uh, uh, this week, Alex, I'm I'm interested in just looking at rookies and specifically just kind of like their season-ending stats just to see where these guys are at. And I've, I found a, an interesting nugget in there. Ooh. Uh, Tell me how many players, how many rookies do you think are shooting above 60% for true shooting? Like how how many above guys? 60? And for context, there are 125 players in the league that shoot above 60% true shooting. And that's Now now is this like if if a guy has been played like 5 minutes, did you set any No, no, no. So it's at mm-hmm. least 15 minutes per game okay. and at least okay. played 50 games. Wow. Well, I mean, just you asking it makes me think that it's going to be higher than I would suspect. Because sixty percent—I mean, that's pretty good. So it's good. I—I I guess I'll go. I'll—I can't go much higher than like seven. Oh yeah, You're, that's too high. It's four. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's four. Well. But what's interesting about it is so here's the list. Of the last decade of rookies that have had 60% true shooting or better, here's the list. Starting in 2012, Jonas Valanciunas, he was the only guy in the class to do it. 2013, Mason Plumlee, the only guy to do it. Then we have to go all the way to 2017. Hmm. Jared Allen, John Collins, that's it. Then you go to 2018, Mitchell Robinson, DeAndre Ayton. You notice a trend with any of these, Al? Big guys. Lots of big guys. 2018, there was also Landry Shamet. Shamet, Shamet, whatever it is, 71% um, three-point rate and above 60% true shooting, which is quite impressive and very unusual. So having Uh, four is kind of a big deal. Having four is a big deal. And then 2019, it's Jackson Hayes, Brandon Clark, Michael Porter Jr. And then in this class... Ooh, can I guess guess one? Yes. Jay Sean Tate. No. Oh, man. You want to guess another one? No. That was the only one I felt good about. <laughs> Xavier Tillman with the Grizzlies. We actually have two two Grizzlies. It's Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Wow. Isaiah Stewart. And then Peyton Pritchard. So what I found to be unusual is through the last decade, there's only three guards total. And Shamit is a little different because he's just catch and shoot only. And Bain is like that. But Peyton Pritchard's not. Peyton Pritchard... Has shoots off the dribble a lot. He's had to have the ball in his hands quite a bit more than they probably anticipated this season. Uh, and he's been really good on 3.6 attempts per game. He's shooting 42% from three. And then he has a three-point rate of 58%. So he's taken a lot of threes and still has a true shooting percentage above 60%. It's just kind of wild to me. And then Desmond Bain is shooting 44% and almost four attempts per game. Like those guys, they're having unusual shooting seasons for rookies. It's basically happened one other time for a guard in the last decade. And we have we have two of the guards in this particular class. They're both role players. It's not like you project any of them to be anything but that. Right. But it's just interesting to to see that. And and part of it is I think that true shooting percentage is on the rise. Just overall shooting percentage is on the rise in the NBA with regards to the way that guys are defended and the way that offenses are ran and the kind of shots you get. But still, it's only four guys, and it's typically just big guys. So 
big shouts to Desmond Bain and Peyton Pritchard for their big time shooting seasons. And just and just another kind of clue of how not great this rookie class is, but like how good it is, like mm-hmm. from top to bottom. And and we kind of knew this because everyone t- remembers talking about this draft as like, oh, it's weak at the top. But if you remember, a lot of those really smart draft guys were all saying like. Maybe it's weak at the top, but this is a super deep draft, and there's going to be a lot of rotation players in this draft. And that has already proven true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bain at the end of the first round, Pritchard at the end of the first round, Xavier Tillman was in the second round, and then Isaiah Stewart was picked kind of in, toward the back half of the middle of the, of the first round. So, yeah, I mean, it's – I don't know. I, I like this rookie class. I think they're going to make an imprint on a lot of teams. I think there's a lot of, like, good quality role players that can contribute to actual winning in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited to talk about uh, one of those rookies a little later with John Krasinski. Yes, yes. Um, So my most interesting thing of the week was an article on The Athletic written by Jason Lloyd titled, Paying Colin Sexton a Max Contract Would Be a Mistake by Cavs. So in this article, Jason Lloyd kind of lays out what's coming up for the Cavs. Because the Cavs, you know, record-wise, have not had a good year. But their two main backcourt pieces have actually done really well this season. Both Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are having awesome years. And Sexton, of course, was the player that came from the pick that was in the Kyrie Irving deal. And so some of the details that were in this article. One, Lloyd writes that the Cavs' marketing efforts to get Sexton onto any of the NBA All-Rookie teams in 2019 or into the Rising Stars games were far superior to any sort of campaign they launched to get Irving his NBA Rookie of the Year award in 2012. And for what? All to save face and declare they won the Irving trade. Ooh, that's interesting. That's juicy. (laughs) I like that. Then he said, when Sexton was struggling as a rookie, the coaches were ordered to continue playing him no matter what. The team's support staff was ordered to continually praise him pregame, midgame, postgame. Colin, Colin, Colin. Which I would say... You know, that's actually probably pretty good, and it seems to have worked out, so I don't feel too bad about that one. Yeah. Honestly, the most interesting nugget came from another article on The Athletic by Joe Varden, and this was in an article about Kevin Love's future. Writing about Sexton, he says, Various Cavs players still grow frustrated by the way Sexton dominates the ball, and opponents taunt them by saying during games, You know he's not going to pass you the ball. Varden went on to say that while Sexton is imperfect and will always have the added stigma of proving himself worthy as a centerpiece of the Kyrie Irving trade, offering Sexton an extension would show love and any other Cavs veterans who are interested that there's a plan in place and it's being followed. So what's facing them is this summer, Colin Sexton is eligible for a contract extension. Mm -hmm. They could offer him a max based on what... I'm reading here in Jason Lloyd's article. He's going to be asking for a max. They're also dealing with Jared Allen's contract because remember they traded for Jared Allen. They gave up a first-round pick yep. for him. Yep. All assumptions are, and Jason Lloyd brings this up, that he, he'll get around $20 million per year this summer. Woo. So you're talking about a team that is currently in the fifth spot on tankathon.com, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. thinking about giving a potential max contract extension to Colin Sexton this summer and giving Jared Allen $20 million a year on top of that and don't even forget that there's the draft coming up, a very loaded right. draft at the top. They could very easily get a top five pick. And so I guess I just hadn't thought about the Colin Sexton aspect of this in terms mm-hmm. of how interesting this summer is for the Cavs and how big of decisions they're going to need to make very, very soon. <laughs> well, and it's it's not even that. I mean, if they pick in the top five, those picks aren't those guys aren't cheap. And so, like, their books are just going to be in ruins, like, very soon. Because then, like, then you have to pay Darius Garland. What in the world do you pay Darius Garland? Right. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. And um, I want to give the case for Colin Sexton, though. Because, okay. you know, I've kind of given a one-sided case right now, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he's obviously, everyone agrees he's a great scorer. You know, he's a very mm-hmm. good scorer. Not a good defensive player. Not exactly a, a lead playmaker in the way that Darius Garland seems to be coming. But listen to this. Listen to this stat. How many players in NBA history, 22 or younger, have averaged at least 24 points per game and have a true shooting percentage of at least 57%? Just throw out a number. Who cares? 17. A great guess. It was 15. 
The other 14 players on that list are all all-stars. We're talking hmm. Trey, Zion, Cat, Tatum, Amare, Shaq, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, Luca, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker. Okay? Now check hmm. out this one, Andrew. Because he's been shooting really well from three this year, 37%. How many players in NBA history, 22 or younger, average at least 24 points per game and shot better than 37% from three? That is only four players. Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, and Colin Sexton. And why I think this is so interesting is because this week on The Athletic, Seth Partnow came out with this article about kind of the big stats of this season, like the most interesting stats of the NBA season. And one of the main takeaways from that is just the offensive explosion we are currently living in and how there is the potential that it's going to be skewing how we think about certain players. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I think Colin Sexton's a very good player, but putting him in that tier with those types of players, one, it's true. Like, I didn't make up these stats, but it's like, what do you do with that? Like, do I really (laughs) believe Colin Sexton should be with those players? Because if you do, then you offer them max extension. You don't think twice. It's a no-brainer, yeah. Yeah. And so I just think it's so interesting how all this stats explosion, this offensive explosion is going to influence how we think about these players and how hard it will be for teams because, you know, his agent is probably going to be using these exact same stats. Like, yeah. look, you got a future all-star, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. The list Alex brought up, it's guaranteed he's going to make it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that they should just go ahead and max him. Because, like, what's the alternative? The alter- I mean, the alternative would be trading him, I suppose. Yeah. And I think the only reason why you would do that is if you get in a situation in the draft, let's say you, you, say you get a high pick, but maybe you yeah. don't get Cunningham. Because Cunningham, I feel like, he fits everywhere. You can play him anywhere. Yeah. His, he actually would be like one of the tallest players on the Cavs when you think about mm-hmm. like Okoro, Garland, and uh, mm-hmm. Sexton. But if you get a chance to take someone like Jalen Suggs, who does have good size, he's 6'4", good size for a point guard, but you don't necessarily want to see a three-guard lineup with those three guys, the other two right. guys being 6'1", at best. Mm-hmm. I think there's a scenario where if Suggs really pops, you could see Sexton be moved next year. However, if they sign him to a max extension, I feel like that's going to make it a lot tougher to move him. So maybe you just wait out this next year, let him get to restricted free agency, and then see what happens. Yeah, I think that makes sense, especially if they do get one of those guys. Yeah, I just wonder if they would trade down even. Maybe. You know, I don't know. I don't trust the Cavs to make sound decisions. Well, this is the other thing, like, with Evan Mobley. Like, if you're – what if you're in a position where he's the best player available Mm -hmm. and you already have in your mind, we're about to give Jared Allen four years, $20 million. Mm -hmm. What do you do then? I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting summer for the Cavs. I wanted to give you a few more stats about the other guy in the Uh backcourt who I'm actually very high on, Darius Garland. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, I'm putting my Stathead uh, subscription to use. I pay $8 yeah. a month for it, okay? <laughs> How many players in NBA history, Andrew, 21 years or younger, have averaged, and listen to this stat line, not even that impressive, 15 points per game, at least five assists per game, shot 39% or better from three? Hmm. That's not crazy. 15 and five, shooting 39% from three. 21 or younger? 20. Three. Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Darius Garland. That's the list. Kyrie did it twice. Three. Now, you might say, well, maybe that's because players are shooting better from three now, so let's bump it down to 35%. Okay, well, now mm-hmm. that expands the list to 12, and okay. you get you get some random guys like LeBron, Luca, Trey, <laughs> De'Aaron Fox, Stephon Marbury, LaMelo. Now, Brandon Jennings is on that list, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But... Darius Garland has had a pretty dramatic rise this year, and I just wanted to to shout him out. And if you're interested mm-hmm. in reading more about Darius Garland, Jackson Frank wrote, just wrote a great article, released it a few days ago, called Is Darius Garland Quietly Rising to Stardom in Cleveland? It's on TheAnalyst.com. I was just reading through it. He has a lot of good videos in there. His passing, specifically his interior passing, which I think makes a big deal when you're playing with someone like Jared Allen, is really impressive on some of the on some of these highlights, and so even though he is yes very small, and he's that's always going to be a deficiency in his game, 
He's a very gifted passer, and he's a very gifted shooter. And in fact, Mm -hmm. Jackson makes the case that he needs to shoot more. He's taken five threes a game, 39%. Really no reason why he shouldn't be taking like seven or eight per game right now. Yeah. That's this is why there's just a, a conundrum. If they land at four in the draft, and Mobley's gone, like, I just I don't know. Like, what do they do? So Sam Vecini he released his mock draft factoring in yeah. team needs, and he had the Cavs I think in that spot and had them taking mm-hmm. Kaminga, which yeah. you like Kaminga because of his size on that team. Yep. You like him because of his passing, defensive but then versatility. Yeah. The question, of course, is the shooting. Like, can you play? Jared Allen, Kuminga, and Okoro, Okoro all together in a starting five. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I kind of I like fun. I like the makeup of all three of those guys quite a bit, especially next to two like big time scoring guards. But yes, you need Okoro or Kuminga to be able to hit threes uh, for it to work. Actually, right. I know Okoro has not had a great shooting season, but that guy's a worker. I kind of I believe in him quite a bit. And he just had that huge breakout out. game against the Suns. He's good. So, anyways, man. I really, I really like him. You know, it turns out the Cavs, who are a team at the beginning of this this uh, podcast, Andrew. You know, ten weeks ago, I would have said they were lower on my list in terms of the wheel of fandom that I'd be mm-hmm. excited about. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on with the Cavs. So, shout yeah. out to the Cavs. Yeah, they got some things. That's pretty cool. All right, are you ready to do some birthdays, Andrew? Blow out the candles, get your cake, and eat it too. It's the birthday bash. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Everybody move like it's your birthday. Cool. Birthday? I'm ready. All right, you are on a hot streak two weeks in a row, going four and one, bringing your overall total to 23 and 16. Okay. I don't know if that's right. No, it shouldn't be. 23 and 17. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never written any of this down and try to recall it in the moment every single week. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm going to give you two players. You're going to tell me which guy is younger. All these players having birthdays this week. Okay. First one, a pair of veterans. P.J. Tucker, George Hill. P.J. Tucker is older. That is correct. P.J. Tucker turning 36 this week. George Hill turning 35. What about... Domantas Sabonis, Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson's older. No. Yes. No, no he's Sabonis. not. Sabonis. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I would fool you with that one, because they're actually separated by two years. Domantas turned 25 yeah. and Frank Jackson's only 23. There's yeah. something about Frank Jackson, though, that makes him seem like he's kind of like been around for a while. Well, he's going he's going through the the phase where he's trying stuff with his hair, which feels like a young man's thing. Maybe that's it. That might be it. Yeah. Okay, next. Paul George, former teammate Kyle Singler. Oh. Weird. Um Singler's older. Whew, that is correct. Kyle Singler yeah. turning 33, Paul George turning 31. All right, next, Chris Paul, Tabo Cephalosha. Oh, uh, Chris Paul's older. Incorrect. Chris Paul mm. turned 36, Tabo turning 37. Oh. And last, we've got Dorian Finney-Smith, Jonas Valanciunas. That is a weird one. That's a I've tough never, one. I have not thought of Finney Smith's age ever. I'll say Finney Smith is older. He is not. He is younger, Andrew, turning 28 this weekend. Jonas turning 29. Oh, no. After such a hot streak, Andrew went two and three this week. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, hopefully things go a lot better in our next segment when we talk to John Krasinski about the Timberwolves. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Andrew, it is time once again for our favorite segment, the Wheel of Fandom, the segment where each week we spin a digital wheel and it chooses a team for us. We watch that team's games, follow that team's beat writers, go to that team's subreddit. And this week, it was the Minnesota Timberwolves. Currently 20 and 46, 25th in offense, 28th in defense. However, in their last 10 games, Andrew, the Wolves are 6 and 4, 6th in offense, 26th in defense. So if the wheel chose the Timberwolves, Andrew, who is our guest today? It's my guy, John Krasinski. John, what's up? What's up, Andrew? How's it going? It's going great. Just, just like it is for Anthony Edwards, man. Uh, exactly. He's we, we got to witness this game from Edwards uh, Wednesday night against the Grizzlies. 42 points, 17 of 22 shooting, six boards, seven assists, eight three-pointers. Uh, what have been the most significant areas of development for Edwards from the first half of the season to the second half? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things, Andrew. Uh, one is shot selection. So early on in the season, you saw him really settle for either some mid-range or some really contested step-back threes and things like that um, that really made it difficult for him to to do anything with efficiency. And so um, he was doing that. And then um, Chris Finch comes in, new coach, and really does a good job of sort of streamlining his decision-making process. He's got Andrew – or excuse me, he's got uh, Anthony Edwards going to the rim a lot more um, and with a lot more force. And now – Edwards is finishing through contact better than he normally does and, or that he did at the start of the season. And so um, when you get him, he's been able to get to the rim at will since he's first game in the league. It's just now that he's getting there, he's either converting uh, layups or he's getting fouled and getting to the free throw line. So um, those are the big things for him. You know, the, the other night with, with Memphis, you know, going eight for nine from three, that's a bit of an anomaly, but he is shooting the three ball better lately um, than he did at the start of the season too. So all in all, he's just really kind of getting a better understanding of the game and just looking more comfortable out there and what and, and how to attack defenses. I wanted to ask you a, more of a big picture question on Edwards because I was reading the comments on your article after that game. And I was interested to see so many fans making the case that the Wolves need to start prioritizing him more, especially in crunch time, arguing that he should be the number one option. There was one person saying he was already their second favorite Wolves player of all time. Another saying that they'd (laughs) listen to trade offers for Cat and D'Lo if they keep the pick. So as someone who's been around Minnesota sports for a long time, is it crazy to think that because of his play and his personality, he has a chance to be the most popular Minnesota sports figure since KG and Moss? Um, well, yeah, I mean, Alex, it's from from the whole package aspect of it. I mean, the, the dynamic game that he has, um, the force that he plays with, the dunks that he throws down. He's got an entertainer's quality to him as a player. And then as a person, as you alluded to, I mean, he's a phenomenal interview in, you know, in, in the league. I mean, it's so much fun to see him, you know, kind of just be himself and and not really take things too seriously. And so, I mean, he'll crack us up in interviews all the time. And you can also tell that, you know, fans are drawn to him. Uh, teammates are really drawn to him. So he has this sort of magnetic quality, yeah, that I think does kind of position him to be a major star uh, in, in this city for sure. Um, you know, I, I do chuckle, though, about kind of the – the calls from Timberwolves fans of, oh, well, trade cat and and build around right. and or build around Anthony Edwards. It's like, hold on, guys. Like he first of all, he's 19 years old. Second of all, you need more than one good player on your team. <laughs> right. Can, can you not have both? Yeah. yeah, we can. You can do both because they complement each other so well. I mean, you know, you have the big man with cat. You have the, the, the kind of the ball handler with Edwards. You have Russell who is coming on strong and 
and playing very well of late as well. And, and so like, they need more talent. They don't need less talent and, or they don't need younger talent. I mean, Cat is still 25 years old. So right. there's, you know, there's just no, I don't see any reason to break them up and, and, and to kind of change things that way. I think over time, Anthony Edwards will probably become a little more assertive in crunch time and, and, and a little more effective and just taking the bull by the horns and doing, he's a little deferential to Russell and towns right now because they're the veterans and because they've been there before, but over time they'll figure that out. And there's plenty of time to do that. There's just, there's absolutely no reason to say, well, this is Edwards team. It's not cat's team. No, it can be both of their team and it's going to need to be if they're going to be competitive in the Western conference. Yeah. And especially with like cat shooting just opens up the floor. Like it helps Edwards game. It allows him to get to the rim, which is one of his strengths. So it seems like they are a good fit on the court. Yeah, they, they fit their, their games fit really well. You know, the, the previous iteration with towns and Wiggins um, that didn't really fit together very well because um, Wiggins wanted to shoot a lot. Um, he he he's not a, a high percentage three point shooter, and then his ability to get to the basket and and just really be aggressive that way, he just didn't have that mindset. Uh, but Edwards absolutely has that. Like he wants to go for the jugular, and and he is, and he also has the handle to to do it. And so um, you know when you when you see them play the two man game effectively it's impossible to stop i mean earlier this year he had 42 cat had 41 in a game against phoenix and the suns just had nothing that they could do with the pick and pop pick and roll with edwards and towns and so it fits really well and then you know you have russell who can also just kind of be floating on the perimeter and be there as a spacer as well that draws the opponent out of the paint and opens things up for Edwards. So really a lot of that just meshes beautifully on offense. It's the defensive end that has to really be kind of addressed here going forward. Right. So uh, maybe the most electric player, Edwards, down to the maybe the least electric player, Jared Culver yeah. on the uh, Timberwolves. So they, it was just two years ago, feels like longer ago than that, that they targeted him, traded up for him, wanted him on this team. Uh, should we just write this season off due to injuries? Uh, what's what's the long-term future with Jared Culver? Yeah, it, it's murky right now at best, Andrew. Um, you know, he, even prior to the ankle surgery that he just had, um, he just was not belonging out there on the court. And, and you know, he's a former sixth overall pick. Uh, they brought him in, not really depending on him to be a star, but they really thought that he could be kind of like a Trevor Ariza, Lukamba Mute, kind of that classic wing defender that Harden had with the Rockets. You know, a lot of the Wolves' logic is around what the Rockets did because Gerson Rosas was in Houston. And so I think they saw him as this kind of very switchable wing defender who they hoped could knock down a three consistently and also kind of make some plays every once in a while as well. He has not been able to do hardly any of that. Um, he looks very timid out there. He looks kind of overwhelmed at times, and it just does not seem to be a good fit. When you cannot kind of crack the rotation on a team with, you know, 18, 17, 20 wins, uh, that, that's a real problem. And I don't think it's all just injury-related. I mean, there are teams that just miss on players in the draft, and maybe he would be better in a different system with the change of scenery. But it's just hard to see where he fits in here right now. And it's hard to see him making the just enormous strides he needs to make to be a player that they can count on in a, in a nine-man rotation. So I think that this summer, if you can get anything of value for him, if there's another team that says, ah, he's the former sixth overall pick, we liked him in the draft, we don't think the Timberwolves you know, did a good job and put him in the right situations – and you can get something for him, I, I think you you look to do that. And, you know, maybe he'll come back because they can't move him, but I just, I, I don't see a long-term future here barring some just, you know, really huge strides made this summer after his surgery. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. What about, what about Jaden McDaniels? He's a guy who's cracked the starting lineup for them and has played significant minutes for them, made a huge play against the Jazz, uh, I guess that was maybe a week or two ago, uh, stealing the ball. Uh, what's what's the projection for him? 
Yeah, sky's the limit for him. And, you know, we talk about the miss with Jared Culver in the draft, but outside of Culver, Gerson Rosas has been really good in the draft. I think mm-hmm. Edwards looks like a future star. Um, you got uh, Nas Reed was an undrafted player, and he's a rotation player now for yeah. you. Jalen Noel is solid as a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. And now they have Jaden McDaniels, who doesn't look just solid. He looks like a, a, a real steal at number 28 from, from the draft. He, the thing with him that has been such a revelation is how mature he is defensively. He is really polished. He's got he's 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 got to put weight on. He's got to put muscle on this offseason and kind of bulk up a little bit so he can maybe handle playing the four a little bit more. Um, you know, but uh, I mean, he's got arms that are you know ten feet long, and he can he has great instincts. Can really he he's already kind of doing the thing that veteran defenders do, where he sort of baits the um the ball handler and lets him fly by and then gets the shot block with his long arms from behind and he just surprises him so he's really good that way he's also probably you know he's i'll say it he's their best two-way player right now um he plays really good defense and he's good enough offensively that you, he's not a liability. He's actually a positive offensively. He can hit the open three. He's starting to show some handle in the open court to get to the to the rim. He can develop a lot more that way. But I, I think he's a, a starter in this league. I think he's a long-term fixture uh, in this rotation. And, you know, if he really continues to develop, now you're – I mean, he, you could, he could be a high-end starter in this. I don't know all-star or anything like that, but – Certainly, uh, he's got a lot of upside, and it's been a tremendous find for them to get him down at 28. Uh, Last question for you. So the Wolves were kind of criticized a little bit for their process in hiring Chris Finch, but so far it Mm -hmm. seems to be paying off, and I think Russell coming off the bench and not complaining about it is maybe the clearest sign that the players are buying in. What have been some of the most noticeable changes on the court with this team beyond just getting healthy compared to earlier in the season? Yeah, he's done a tremendous job. And I mean, it was an incredibly difficult situation to come into. He's come, Chris Finch is coming in from another organization mid season, which almost never happens. He's coaching with an assistant staff that he's never coached with. One of the lead assistants, David Vanterpool, wanted the job and didn't get it instead of Chris Finch. Um, and he, you know, he really didn't have much of a relationship with any of the players. So um, it was as difficult or as adverse a situation as you could be dropped into. Um, But he has really kind of stabilized what this team is doing. And so um, you can just see when you watch them play offensively that guys know what their roles are. Guys trust the system a little bit more. So there's not as much freelancing and freewheeling um, and, and kind of forcing things. They're just saying, hey, I know that if we run what Chris Finch wants us to run, we're going to get a good shot. And and so they do that constantly. He's got the respect of the players that way. The, the big thing, and you hit on it, Alex, is he had to show a, a scenario where D'Angelo Russell becomes a plus player. Um, he, he was not that way but under Ryan Saunders. And that was making the trade with Golden State look like an absolute disaster Mm -hmm. because not only did you give up Wiggins, who's just fine, he's okay. I don't want to hear the Warriors Bay Area kind of hype train with him. He's just a he's a solid player. Yeah. Um, But um, but then you give up that potentially give up that pick where if they if they don't finish in the top three, they lose the pick to the Warriors. That's the killer. And they were not getting great play from Russell. They were not getting a player who was kind of lifting the team. Even when Cat was out, I mean, Russell was not playing well enough to to help kind of weather the storm. And you're thinking, man, this really does not look good. Well, Finch has kind of engaged with Russell in a way and gotten him to buy in. He's actually playing better defensively than he was before. Um, he's certainly not Gary Payton, but he's at least putting an effort on that side. And he's been really efficient, shot making, making plays for others against Memphis the other night. He had 22 points, 14 assists. Um, it that that's the big key because if he can start to make D'Angelo Russell look like a player that can be a difference maker, or at least a really solid piece on a team that can have su- sustained success, that changes the outlook for the Gerson Rosas regime, right, yeah. for the for the for the for the um, coaching change, and all of that. 
Um, so big, it, it's a huge thing. The last thing I'll just say on it quickly for, for fairness to Ryan Saunders, um, Finch has also had Kat and, De, and D'Angelo Russell together on the floor a heck of a lot more than Ryan Saunders ever did. So that, you know, just unlocks a lot of things that Ryan couldn't do. But I give credit to Chris. He's done a great job in kind of with the offensive side of things. They got a lot of work to do defensively, but with the offensive side of things, he's done a great job of just organizing things and getting people to understand their roles. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, thank you, John. That was awesome. Thank you for answering our questions. It is now time, though, for our favorite game show, Andrew versus The Beat, where each week we pit Andrew against a beat writer for an NBA team. I ask questions about the team from the Wheel of Fandom, and Andrew loses. Currently, his record is 0-8-1 off the top of my head. Andrew's still Man, looking for a lot of pressure now. I know. <laughs> the more weeks he loses, the more pressure it puts on the beat writer. Oh, boy. Okay, so yeah. how this is going to work, there are eight questions. Uh, John, you will go first. You'll give me a number between one and eight. That will correspond to a question. It may be easy. It may be hard. If you get it right, you get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew could steal it for one point, and then Andrew will choose a number. So to start us off, just need a number between one and eight. I'll take uh, two. Number two. This is a fun one. In 1986, the state of Minnesota held a Name the Team contest to name the new expansion oh, team in Minnesota. Over 1,200 names were submitted with the final two choices coming down to Timberwolves and this name. I'm going to give you five names, and you will tell me which one came in second place for the Name the Team contest. The names are Twin Stars, Kodiaks, Galaxy, Lynx, and Polars. Again, Twin Stars, Kodiaks, Galaxy, Lynx, Polars. Hmm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say polars. John, that is absolutely correct for two points. Wow. wow. That was great. <laughs> you know those other names. I actually found the original list that was submitted with all twelve hundred names. So those other four names were actual 1200, real submissions. Al. <laughs> yeah. They were on I, first I, I wanna say I heard Voyagers. But I don't know if that's if that's for them or for the wild or something like that. But uh, yeah, that, that was the only other one that I could think of in my head. Some so, of my uh, good one. Five of my other favorite ones that were on that list: Aqua Drinks, Busters, <laughs> Gandy Dancers, Taco Nights, and the Yumpin' Yaks. All would have been Taco great. Nights. <laughs> oh, man. We'd have LeBron. We would have had LeBron in uh, in free agency for sure. <laughs> that's right. All right, the Andrew. It's your turn. Number between one and eight. Uh, Let's go number one. Number one. Anthony Edwards is currently averaging 18.9 points per game. There have only been six other players in NBA history to average at least 18 per game at the age of 19. We're going to name all six of those players. Now, how this is going to work, Andrew's going to give me a name. Then we're going to go to John. He'll give me a name. We're going to go back and forth until you either just don't know any or maybe you'll get all six of them, in which case Andrew will get two points, John will get one point. But if Andrew stumbles... John will get the points. Okay, so Andrew, give me a name. 18 points per game at the age of 19. Only six players. Uh, LeBron James. LeBron is one of them. Okay, John? Oh, man. Um, Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo was one of them. Back to Andrew. Kobe? Kobe Bryant was not right, Andrew. Oh, no. So John gets the points. 
Ouch. Any other guesses? It's all recent players, like within the last. Did, was, was Wiggins on there? Uh, Did Wiggins do it? It was not Wiggins. No, not Wiggins. Okay. Um, let me think. Some really, Who really obvious ones. Luca. Uh, Luca. Zion. Sure. Zion. I was going to say Zion. KD. That was my other guess. And KD. Kyrie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's, yeah. Quick start for John, and he's picking again. <laughs> I will take six. All right, number six. During his tenure as general manager of the Timberwolves, Kevin McHale made three draft night trades that involved swapping players drafted in the top ten. In other words, the Wolves drafted a guy in the top ten, another team drafted a guy in the top ten, and they swapped him. Name all six drafted rookies who were involved in those three draft night trades. Um, so uh, O.J. Mayo and Kevin Love. Um, Corey Brewer, no, excuse me, Randy Foy and uh, Brandon Roy, and Ray Allen and Stefan Marbury. Wow, that is absolutely correct. Clean sweep, Andrew. You're already down 6 0. This might be our worst ever. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, Andrew, you can still come back. You can still come back. Uh, seven. All right, number seven. Oh, Andrew, a perfect question for you to pick. In a game against Oklahoma City, on December 6, 2019, the Wolves were up by two with 1.1 seconds left and Carl Anthony Towns going to the line to shoot two. Incredibly, the Wolves would lose this game in overtime in part because Chris Paul pointed out that this Wolves player had just entered the game with his jersey untucked. Who was the player with the untucked jersey? Jordan Bell. That is oh, correct. Man. All yeah, right, two points for Andrew. Well, we have gotten all of the possible eight points available so far. This is this is a really impressive game. Yeah, that's game never happened before. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> back to John. Just have a few left. Um, I'll take uh, three. Number three. Who is the Timberwolves' all-time franchise leader in attempted three-pointers? Kevin Love. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal Ooh. for one point. Who has attempted the most amount of three-pointers in Timberwolves history? Is this Wiggins? Andrew, it is. Andrew ah, Wiggins. Probably yes. for another week because he is 11 up on Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, wow. Okay, Andrew, you're on a roll now. You have a chance. Five. Number five. Ooh, I don't know if you're going to get this. Okay, two, <laughs> two months ago when the Timberwolves were in the midst of a losing streak, a Redditor named the Rat Patrol made a post pointing out that the Timberwolves now officially have the worst winning percentage in the history of American sports. However, there's good news, because due to their recent winning, the Timberwolves are back in second place. They are no longer the worst American sports team. Which professional sports team has reclaimed their title of worst winning percentage in the history of American sports? So this is the four major sports, so it could be a football team, basketball team, hockey team, baseball team. The Browns. the Browns. I have no okay. idea. That's a guess. That's a guess, Andrew. It's wrong. It's a team. All right, John, <laughs> do you have any guesses? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is absolutely correct. Wow. Nice. Mm -hmm. Super Bowl winners. Okay, we have they two still left. have a lot of making up to do. <laughs> uh, number four and number eight are left. Which would you like, John? Um, I'll take eight. All right, number eight. Kevin Garnett is one of only five players in NBA history to lead his team in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks over a single season. There's four mm -hmm. other players who have done it. Name at least three of them. Uh, Will, Will Chamberlain. John, that is incorrect. They really? Did not, they did not. Uh, oh, they didn't, they didn't record yeah. blocks then, did they? Yeah, they, that yeah. would have probably been right. But <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. they didn't record them. Okay, Andrew, you have a chance. Tell me three of the four players who have led their teams in a single season in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. LeBron? LeBron is one. Is Durant one of them? He is not. The other one happened just uh, a couple years ago. Giannis. And then mm. the one I thought would be like the one maybe you'd get it is Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen ah. did it. And Dave oh. Cowens was the fourth. Cowens. Yeah, I would have missed that one. Yeah. Okay, Andrew. You get the final question. You are currently down seven to three. So can you win? No. Can you tie? <laughs> no. But you could get this question right. Okay. In August 2005, 
the Timberwolves traded Sam Cassell to the Clippers for Marco Yarich and Lionel Chalmers. A trade that would have been terrible as is, but was made infamous by the inclusion of a first-round pick from Minnesota. That pick was top 10 protected for six years and became unprotected in 2012. Now, at the time of the trade, the Wolves had won 40 or more games nine consecutive seasons in a row. Expectations were that they were just going to give up a late first, maybe. Unfortunately, the Wolves wouldn't win 40 games again for nine more seasons, and the pick eventually <laughs> conveyed unprotected in 2012. Who was the player drafted with the Minnesota pick that originated in the Marco Yarich trade? Is this Austin Rivers? Andrew, that's great correct. One. Great nice. one, man. That was a great pull. Holy cow. You should win wow. you should win the whole thing because of that. That was an incredible <laughs> episode of Andrew versus the Beat. Collectively, you guys got 12 points out of the possible 16. I think that is our best round so far. And congratulations to John, of course, for winning seven to five. Hey, excellent. Hey, that yeah, that rivers pull was big time right there. So I got respect <laughs> there. Nice work. Oh man. Oh, John, thanks so much for coming on the show. We got to follow all your stuff. Read everything John does at The Athletic. Uh, we appreciate you, John. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. All right, Andrew. It's the end of the show, which means it's time to spin the Wheel of Fandom. We have oh, no, 19 Al. teams left. We've done 11 already. 19 teams to go. Who will it be this week? Let's spin the wheel. The Wheel of Fandom team for this week will be oh no. the Miami Ooh, Heat. Okay. Interesting. Spicy. Yeah, I haven't thought about I, the Heat I, in a while, I'll be honest. I know. I'm uh, excited to talk uh, some, some Jimmy, some Bam. And, and they're fighting for that uh, sixth spot. Yeah. They're relevant. It's been, a, it's been a minute since we've had a relevant team, so that's that's a step in the right direction. Uh, I do want to read our uh, Apple Podcast five-star review of the week. It comes from Dan W. from Tampa. He says, The Saturday Slam and Jam has become my favorite podcast. The combination of Andrew losing an impossible game and getting to learn about the worst teams in the league has me strangely hooked. Keep up the good work. Uh, and then we have one more from Vegan Trey. The Saturday Slam and Jam is my new favorite show. A fun format, great guests, and good humor. Thank you for making my Saturday morning house chores and coffee something I look forward to while I get to listen to this show. Uh, thank you so much. Be sure to go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts on the Athletic NBA Show feed, and you can have yours read here as well. Hope you guys have just a wonderful weekend. Hope you guys enjoy a nice Saturday, and we will talk to you guys again next week.